everybody, and welcome to Podcasting. I am one of your hosts, Colleen Carney. And I am your other host, Chris Pruitt. Mac Guerrero, producer of the show. Uh, if you've been following along with us, you will know we are a spoiler light podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about Twin Peaks, season two, episode 15, Slaves and Masters. Um, we don't get into any spoilers for episodes going ahead. If we do, it's very light, um, nothing major. We all work for a literary journal called Drunk Monkeys. Um, our new issue in July is going to be coming out in a week from today when we're recording, so the 18th. We will be open for submissions probably later today. I meant to open them last week and I forgot about it. Um, we will be closed for poetry and fiction through the year into the new year. Um, we have a huge backlog of accepted pieces and I don't wanna add to that until we're kind of caught up, but we will have our 24 hour submissions open with the caveat that if we accept you, you will be waiting a year to show up. So don't yell at me via email. I don't like that. And I tend to make fun of you online if you do. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's worth noting that we had quite a lot of deaths in the Twin Peaks community in the last since we've recorded. Um, right as we were recording the last episode, Kenneth Walsh died. He played William Earl. Uh, Matt had the amazing trivia that he was the narrator of Psycho Goreman, one of my favorite movies of all time. And I did not realize that. Uh, and last night I told my son Aiden that, and he was like, that movie fucking rules. And I was like, we should watch it this week. <laughs> um, also, Lenny Von Dolan just died. He played Harry one of my favorite characters so he played him very well um memorable performance in that role if nothing else (laughs) excellent uh performance as noted creep (laughs) (laughs) an orchid enthusiast arrow um and in my uh i mean all deaths are but the one that hit me hardest was the death of julie cruz pretty much david lynch's muse throughout Twin Peaks, uh, beautiful performances musically by her, even right up into season three. Uh, crushing loss in terms of um, the Twin Peaks sort of, uh, you know, family, for lack of a better term. Very sad. So hopefully they're all resting in peace in better places now. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. Sad stuff. Let's get into this episode. <laughs> Season two, we're, we're at like the, I think we hit like the apex of, of bad and it's starting to kind of- Or the nadir or however yes. you want to frame yeah. that. So, uh, so. <laughs> and it's starting to roll back into like those three awesome episodes before the end and then, we, <laughs> well, then we'll get into the movie and then season three, but we're just chipping away. So let's get at it. Um, notably, this episode was directed by Diane Keaton. Yeah. And I actually refused to believe this and Google. I'm like, it, there's no way it's the same dynamic. Yep. But oh, no, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, this sent me down a deep <laughs> rabbit hole that we'll get to in producer's corner. But oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. fucking excited about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah your um, internet better not <laughs> fuck up. I hope not. Yeah. God, Lord knows. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, realized that when you texted it the other day it wasn't something i thought to look up about the episode as i was watching it 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 also is interesting because there are some weird directorial choices in this particular episode so it's like she was kind of you know for better or for worse she was kind of going off a little bit (laughs) (laughs) um stick to acting diane (laughs) my my advice 
I did not care much for the the choices she made in this episode. We're going to get right into one of them, which is this like excruciatingly slow <laughs> montage of chess pieces. It's just the super bad 90s slow-mo where it's not actually a higher film rate. They just are right. like playing the frames a slower. <laughs> it's just like everything is out of focus. Like, ah, yes, the chessboard. I remember because it's the symbol you haven't shut up about for the last like five fucking episodes consecutively. Get it, yes. Um, uh, yeah, that goes on forever, but then we go right into Evelyn, everyone's favorite widow in mourning, Evelyn. Uh, in her like widow garb, which is actually like like a style choice that that I was like very into. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like sexy widow garb or something. Like yeah. there's a very slow pan up her like extremely lacy black stockings. It's <laughs> like what what is this exactly? <laughs> widow, but make it horny. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> uh, like kind of her that. deal though, so I guess right. that makes sense. Yeah, this is the best she looks in the show, really. But. Yeah. Uh, I agree. And we have the police there kind of talking to her about her uh, husband, Jeffrey's death. Uh, we have the weird guy, Malcolm, who's like her lover, but like shows up as her brother, but isn't, you know, it's kind of like it, they're, they're basically setting James up as like he was working on the car and then Jeffrey died. So obviously he must have murdered him. Like, um, and we have this like really upsetting kind of moment that like, cops leave and Malcolm like kind of manhandles her in a way that I did not care for uh I don't like yeah. that I don't like Malcolm I don't like Evelyn but I don't want her to be manhandled by anyone either. yeah he does a bit of that throughout this episode I will get another chance to talk about that later um but it it adds yet another weird gross layer to this thing going on between them where it's like oh they're siblings oh they're lovers are they siblings that are lovers okay they're not actually siblings they're lovers oh wait they're not lovers she's like in an abusive relationship with this guy who's trying to spring her out of her abusive relationship with the other guy by like pretending to be a sad sap to this like teenager they found to try to get him to involve himself in it it's like what the fuck is this like it's so convoluted in, in uh, James's it, defense it, he like stumbled into just a nightmare <laughs> yeah, I, and and I I will give a little more credit because this is the only episode where this plot line seems interesting. Like, I, I yeah. think that's fair to say where it's like there's finally yeah. enough elements on the board where I'm like, okay, I get it. Instead of just these weird, long, gross scenes where like an adult woman is making out with a teenage boy. It's like, I, I, what is this? Like, if, if there had been more of this in the stew from the beginning, it at least would have been a bit compelling to be like, let's get to the end of this. Let's figure out what's going on here. And instead, it's just, you kind of get it info dumped at the beginning of this episode. And I don't think you ever see these two again after the end of this episode. Yeah, so no, like, I'm not even 100%. I don't think they're even mentioned after this episode. So like- oh, Remember it, Evelyn? Yeah, <laughs> no, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, um, it's weird. Now, here's another thing. So we, we're going to move from here, right, to to the bar where Evelyn met James. And I don't think I noticed it before, but I'm under. But what I understand is it's Wally's hideout. But the sign actually says hideout Wally's, and that really yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I noticed this. And uh, why well, I didn't notice this. I, I do want to mention something briefly before we go into that scene, oh, okay. which is when the cops depart talking to Evelyn yes. and Malcolm and getting their slightly uh, awkward version of the story where they're trying to pin it on James. It, the way they portray the police department in this area is as if they were like a whole team of Sheriff Andes. Like they're all <laughs> like, like the, the guy is like actively demonstrating. He doesn't know how to spell as he's taking Malcolm's testimony. And then they, when they turn to leave, they turn in this like extremely awkward slouched 
but they're lockstep anyway. They're just sort I of like, yeah, yeah it's, it's like they're doing really the breakfast weird. club dance or something. Yeah, yeah, in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is one of these things where I was like, Diane Keaton, really? She's like, I'm well, going to have these. <laughs> and then they I'm transition into the bar. That. And suddenly you have that, maybe one of you guys are going to mention this. They have that row of like bus yes. drivers, yeah, but they're don't... all like looking up, smoking cigars in the it's exact so same weird. way. Yeah. And, and you're going to see those guys again in a second at the yeah. end of the scene, if you haven't sc- scrubbed to yeah, that yeah, yet, yeah. Matt. But yeah, they, when you, I, I'll <laughs> let you set up the bar, Colleen, because that's what yeah, you're Yeah, it's so yeah. weird. So I actually didn't know those were bus drivers. I thought they were sheriffs. And I was like, yeah, what is good? Like, I don't know. And I was like, what? I didn't notice them leaving, like the Malcolm, uh, Malcolm. Evelyn like I didn't notice that weird sidestep I was probably making fun of it or they stayed <laughs> and watched this episode with me so like once again I spent most of the episode pausing it to explain like the little I know <laughs> but um I thought they were sheriffs at whatever they are it's such a strange choice they are all yeah. at the bar sitting looking up like to the left like they're all watching the scene. It, it's very like rigid and and choreographed in a way that's like very bizarre. And Donna and and James are there, like openly yapping, being the most sus of all time. <laughs> and, and and see, this is where I thought that those were cops, and I was like, what are they doing? But you know, if they're not cops, and it makes a, a little bit I mean, not more sense, but it, it's kind of like, oh, okay, like that's why they're more comfortable like mm. they're just like do you think evelyn is <laughs> like it's just i can't believe the double crossing of the murder of her husband and like the bartender's right next to them he's like what will you have and they're like oh like just whatever i'm like why is this happening they are having the most suspicious conversation at like as loud as i'm talking right now well and like I'm it's home it's the only other place James has been seen in this region. Just fucking drive back to Twin Peaks That's or something. That's what I don't understand. Like- <laughs> All of this stuff with the James and Donna and Evelyn and Malcolm stuff in this episode makes no sense because they could have just gone. They got away from this scene with like the cops crawling. But in the last episode, they ran away uh, like behind them or whatever. Just go home. Yeah. They there to clear James's name, yeah, yeah, clear it in Twin Peaks, right? Exactly, clear it maybe in not the most suspicious context and the place where both Donna and James met Evelyn previously. It's like they went to the one place that they know testimony would have led the police back to, and of course, that's where we wind up later in the scene, but like (laughs) they're just sitting there yapping. Um, there, there is a great awkward moment where, uh, where James is like, no, she, Evelyn would definitely not like turn me in. And Donna gets this look on her face, like fucking really you slept with yet another fucking crazy woman. And now your life is fucked up again. Really? I drove over here to get you and you did this again. I bought five whole dollars. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I risked my life at the scene of a crime to bail you out. (laughs) Like, um, yeah, whole thing is all pointless. And none of it makes any sense. This, yeah. You know, this thing. Even Aiden was like, I don't fucking understand one thing that's happening here. I'm like, you're not supposed to. <laughs> Take it up with Diane Key. <laughs> uh, yeah. Donna goes to call Ed. Her genius idea is to call Ed from this bar instead like of going the, back that, to Ed's like place. The, like <laughs> payphone in the middle of the bar. Right. And, walking by her. <laughs> and like the second that she's over with the phone, and the, the phone call gets distracted somehow. She winds up on the line with somebody else. And James is like by himself. And he sees the like weird cops walk in. And he's like, 
I'm gone. And he just fucking leaves. <laughs> so. I, I didn't think that somebody else was on the phone. I thought she changed what she was saying because someone walked by her. and she Oh, maybe that was it. I didn't understand. So she was just like, was oh, yeah, happening. Judy's great or like yeah. whatever. You know, but like but it's like, I, I guess it didn't make sense to me because they're being so open about talking about this like the entire time that for her to suddenly realize it's insane. I was like, what? <laughs> None of it makes sense. The whole thing is stupid. <laughs> But but the very last moment I do love when the cops come in and then, you know, James just walks by them. Uh, they, they don't seem <laughs> to care about cops. him, um, even though they're looking for him. And like he one of the cops asks, he seems to ask the bus driver on the end of the row, mm. like and like he's going to question them about if they've seen this kid who just walked past him and like they all in unison yeah. turn and answer him at exactly the same time. Yeah. So weird. It's so surreal. Like, is any of this actually happening or is it one of those things where like later you're like, Oh, that was like a metaphor. <laughs> like, right. Well, it, it reminds me of that one scene early in the series where there's just like a giant marching band that's staying at the Great Northern in the background yeah. and it's never discussed and explained. No. They're just there. No. Yeah. Love <laughs> reminds Very me of surreal. that. Yeah. Um, we go from that to the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department uh, where uh, Hank? <laughs> Harry? Harry, yeah. I always want to say Hank. What is wrong with me? I'm just, I'm oh. because we call Hank dipshit or right. whatever. Dingus. So like, yeah. dingus. Yeah. dingus. Um, so Harry and Coop are talking to Bobby and Shelly about um, Leo had obviously in the former episode attacked. Shelly came out of his stupor, attacked Shelly. It was very violent, and he like stumbled off like Bigfoot into the Pacific Northwest woods, <laughs> which makes sense. And uh, it's really funny because Bobby's like whatever fucking man right yeah he like calls him leo stein which i thought was really actually good that was funny (laughs) yeah Uh, and Um, he's like me and shelly been boning for like ever even when i was dating more like just super open about like which finally it's come to light that you guys are together like just just yeah well and he kind of has no choice but to admit that otherwise you know it it, looks bad yeah Yeah. (laughs) um But, you know, for a guy who in this particular incident is truly innocent and was trying to be helpful, Bobby truly cannot stop himself from just being a little shit about absolutely everything. Again, he reminds me very much of the boy watching it with me last night. Um, I have to say, as I go through this watch of Twin Peaks, there's no question. Obviously, Coop is Coop, so he's the king of everything. Bobby's my favorite character that isn't Cooper. I mean, he's just the best. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah the best and his i'm so excited because uh listeners if you didn't know this matt has actually never seen these episodes before and um has never seen season three so i'm very excited yeah season three bobby is an experience very satisfying in my opinion i love i absolutely and dina ashbrook is like he could do no wrong to me like uh, i love this thing they're talking about kind of what happened like he attacked us and then he's like, Bobby's like, I can take care of Shelly. Can you? Because like, you almost got time. dead. You almost got dead. This is also like the fifth time this has happened where Shelly has been in this predicament and you've shown up and just bumbled your way through and like how you're still alive is, how both of you are still alive is like something otherworldly is looking out for you. Well, you're just an idiot. And, and that's, that's like kind of the plot upshot of this scene is that the fact that this is such a recurrent event is what brings Bobby to saying, oh yeah, I saw Hank shoot 
<laughs> Leo, <laughs> this like unresolved mystery that's been going this on forever. Happening. Like what finally, I want to know that. Yeah. <laughs> so just four months ago. Sorry. <laughs> so even though he kind of just tosses that out there in this testimony, it has a plot Im- implication later on that he yes, finally yeah. mentions it. Um, yeah, that does come back. Uh, luckily, Albert shows up. Um, Albert rules. Aiden was like, who's this guy? I'm like, oh, that's fucking Albert. So put some, <laughs> respect. some respects on his yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> you sit down and you listen. <laughs> so, uh, Albert shows up. I love him in this scene. Um, uh, he walks by Bobby and Shelly exiting. And he goes to Bobby, get a life, punk. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's like the best moment. Uh, he really like is so stunning in this episode like yeah he's great he he has his like sardonic wit but he's like a little like lighter like he's a little half like kinder yeah he's he's buoyed by the his great and expanding friendship with (laughs) sheriff (laughs) harry truman who he immediately embraces in the most like 90s no homo hug i have ever seen in my life (laughs) if if we recall uh they started out bashing heads and then he had that yeah like like uh i love you sheriff truman moment which is like one of the scenes in the entire show i should make a shirt you know what i'm don't anyone steal this idea i should make a shirt with that whole with that whole soliloquy oh yeah writing it down albert (laughs) my method is based in love or (laughs) Uh, I love you. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'll do that later on today. I have a blank shirt. Um, anyway, so uh, he kind of gives Coop the rundown on what's happening with Wyndham Earl. Um, as we know from the last episode, Wyndham Earl's hiding out in the woods and like Leo stumbled upon him and, and we're going to get into some upset, kind of upsetting stuff in a little bit. But uh, his, Wyndham Earl's thing beyond the chess pieces and like <laughs> killing transients is uh he's been mailing phony bombs to places uh and they each have of course like when the when they, the bomb squad comes to disassemble them they're not actually bombs but they have like pieces of wedding garments <laughs> it's very elaborate uh obviously Wyndham's uh deceased wife Coop was having an affair with her her name is Caroline and these were her items and like the the way he's like dropping them off makes a C on the map. It's all very <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's a little unclear what Coop's FBI status is at this point, but we get the background that Albert is cutting him in uh, via the orders of Gordon Cole, uh, our friend performed by David Lynch, and uh, Albert does a great David Lynch impression within the David Lynch show in this scene. <laughs> I'm worried about Coop. I'm worried about Coop. <laughs> It's very so good. good. Um, so, you know, he kind of gives him the rundown there. And and, uh, and then he also he also gives Coop some, like, like on-point fashion advice where he's like, <laughs> if other people wore this outfit with these muted earth tones, it would be fashion suicide. But for some reason, it works for you. And I love this Albert. This version of Albert is, like, the most beautiful version of Albert. <laughs> Just giving fashion advice and loving everyone. I love it. <laughs> but also still being like just a butthole about it for like no yeah. real good reason. Get a life, punk. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think. Do you have anything else to say about that scene? I don't think so. I think we okay. move on to more we jarring stuff. More, yeah, jarring slow motion again. Now that's two. 
So it's like, oh, another instance. Now like, we're going to keep track because you would think. Take a shot. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll have alcohol poisoning by the end of this episode. Uh, but there's this like kind of machinery thing, like like wheels turning and on. And we, are, we move on to Wyndham Earl's uh, shack in the woods where he's being like legit insane in his long johns. Um, good fashion choice. Makes sense for the, the where they are in the country. Um uh, Leo is like incapacitated again <laughs> on like a cot. There's an amazing eagle art in the background. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really it's strange. So like, it's stretched like, out on a skin or something. That's, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, it's it's yeah. an interesting thing because it's like it looks like it's stretched out on like a traditional like animal skin canvas type thing, but it has like a really garish like American pop oh, art right. look. It's, yeah. it's a real yeah. melding of the Native American <laughs> art style with with. America. <laughs> like, that's that's Twin Peaks, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's Twin Peaks, baby. <laughs> and uh, I want it more than I want anything in the whole world. Uh, there's a, there's a few. You know, I'm always looking at the set design to see the the kitschy, stupid shit that I love. And there's a lot of it in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I really like that. Um, he's in his long johns. He very much reminds me of. I don't know if you guys ever saw House of a Thousand Corpses, but he very much reminded me of like the grandpa, which was obviously. Mm off of like um texas chainsaw yeah like it's all kind of connected but it reminded me of that uh he's in his long john's like eating from a can or something (laughs) um uh, playing his flute he's like perched on a rock like he himself might be an eagle as well right you know he's like a woodland sprite yeah 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 as as troubling as this character's entry into the story is uh just because of how awkward it is and how it sort of derails things for a while. Um, it There is some decent payoff with Wyndham Earl. And I will say that like the performance is just ridiculous. It's so memorable. It's like, it it's one memorable. of the most, it's one of the most frustrating things because it's like, I hate when this character starts entering the story, but I love to watch this performance on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Duality yeah. of man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm full of contradictions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys caught uh, just because as I'm watching these as we go, but when they when they first pan to his face, I happen to be taking a drink of water. I had to desperately hold it in to not ruin the equipment because his face is so fucking good. <laughs> it's so it's funny really immediately. Good. It's really good. <laughs> Here's something though I noticed with the closed caption is that Wyndham is spelled W-I-N-D-O-M. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and on IMDB and stuff. Yeah. yeah and but I, I never haven't thought been I spelling it that way. I've yeah. been spelling it like there's a town in New Hampshire called Wyndham, New Hampshire. And I've been spelling it that way with the H A F. Yeah. So I don't know who's responsible for that, but it annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this seems kind of crazy. Like, like Luke's coming to and he's going on and on about like how uh, he like researched all of Leo's crimes, which like how I'd like to know because he uh, seems to be just in the woods. And, and he and he proves this somehow by pulling like what looks like a piece of standard printer paper right. out of the, the <laughs> yeah. sh- shirt of his long johns that's just got like a crumpled up mug shot of, of Leo. You know, like, did, where did that, like, this is like, I've been amazing. studying your crimes. Like, what the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> like, did he go to the library and print that out? Like, what, on dot matrix? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, one of those old ass 90s birds. four hours to get that because like this is pre-internet like this is pre yeah and so it's just so funny to me like i'm like what are the like what is this yeah writers i want to know who wrote this episode what did the writers 
think like how did he do that but whatever uh and he's like i've been studying you and then he has this like flute made of bamboo and he's like this makes a good weapon actually and just starts beating the shit <laughs> with this bamboo flute which like and i'm not a fan of leo and uh actually like his Wyndham's actions towards leo get very like disturbing to me in ways that make people not great but like for this it was just so ridiculous that i was like what <laughs> he's just like a woodland sprite who like plays the bamboo flute beats the shit out of you. Like, yeah, so and, and, it's, and it's also like the show seems to be deliberately trying to like engender some patience for this by putting leo in this position it's like well if we have to right. see some guy get like weirdly tortured it might as well be the most like objectively evil piece of shit yeah. character in the series yeah you know? you got like the 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 demon bob and yeah. <laughs> Bob's not around right now. So Bob's not around and also is kind of like an abstract entity. Leo is just a person that beats up his young wife all the time. Yeah. Like fuck that dude. Perhaps uh the evil in men was the bamboo that we used. <laughs> uh, so so this is kind of setting up a like, hey, like Leo's my maybe the, the titular slate. I don't know. Like yeah. well, there's there's a lot Later of Later we're gonna talk yeah, about I was gonna how say, this title actually works for once. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting connotations of this title in this episode. Not all of them pleasant. In no, fact. Uh, most, of them, most of them highly unpleasant, actually. Yeah. But uh anyway, so we kind of move on to that. We're going to like the world's best couple, Ed and Norma, mm. just in bed. And they just banged it out. God bless them. <laughs> uh talking about uh uh, talking about regret about the past i turned all my christmases into a week full of mondays tell me that is not the best example of living with regret that you could possibly come up with big ed is a human country western song you know? <laughs> <laughs> he truly yeah, he was dressed is. up like one at like when they were undercover he was, yeah but yeah, like yeah. even even when he's casual he looks like yeah. it like yeah. he's just he's a walking country song uh she like norma's like you know last year i bought you a bolo tie that was turquoise and onyx and i came to your house and, like couldn't go in <laughs> To give it to you. Why couldn't I go in? Well, uh, Norma, probably because he lives in that house with his wife. <laughs> Walked in. <laughs> like, I don't know where he was a gift. I paid a lot of money. Like, I get the point, but like, it is. Yeah. Um, I absolutely adore them. Uh, you know, they're just like, let's, we're going to move on. Like, it, we're all about the future now. We're going to leave our past behind and we're going to be in love forever. And you really want to root for them. Definitely nothing bad going to happen with that. No, no, no. But then Nadine shows up. And here's where I had to pause it to explain, okay, Nadine has super strength. This agent's like, who's this? I'm like, well, this is his wife. But here's the thing. She has super strength. And you would think it was from the coma from her trying to kill her. But it wasn't. It was actually implied before that she had the super strength. Why? We're not sure. But then Ed and Norma used to date. They broke up. Then he started dating Nadine. He accidentally shot her eye out. He felt guilty about it. They stayed together forever. And then in the third, and I just like went on. And he was like, what? And I'm like, no, never. don't worry about it. Yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Then, Just don't worry. Then, as it. I'm going to say in a few minutes, I had to pause it again to give him another backstory. But um, she comes in. She's got a she's got like her I think it's either wrestling or cheerleading like uh, mm. trophy where she says she was disqualified for an airplane move, but she still got second place. So I'm yeah. not sure how that works. 
when <laughs> she scratched in the final match and they're like, uh, all right, you're, you're second place. Yeah. I don't Maybe get they it gave either. it to her because they're so afraid of her. They don't want to be destroyed. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what is up with that. Um, uh, yeah. Um, she, you know, she gets in bed with them and you'll see this as like a meme a lot, which is really cute. Like them all kind of looking at each other like, what is happening? <laughs> Um, and she's just like, you know, um, this is what happened. They're like, well, that blows. And then she's like, so, uh, Norma, I'm really sorry I beat up Hank last week, but I thought he was going to hurt Ed. So this is where I had to pause and be like, okay, there was this crazy right. <laughs> <laughs> where like he and Norma just banged it out, but she's like not in the room. And then like Donna shows up and has a conversation and then she leaves. There's a lot of moving parts there the whole time but then Nadine shows up like there's like nine people at the house yeah. at once <laughs> and somehow they're all unaware of each other's presence <laughs> they, there's like up. 17 cars parked out in front of Ed's place it's oh like, where, like where, a, who the fuck is here <laughs> Benny Hills <Yeah. laughs> I should speed it up the, the Scooby-Doo thing where they're running in and out of different doors <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah. Uh, she's like I'm really sorry that I beat up Hank I was afraid he was gonna hurt Ed and then she starts to leave and as she's leaving there are two paintings on the wall and they're kind of like keen paintings, the big, yeah. they're almost like Snow Whitey. And I want those paintings as well, is my point. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I was going to bring them up because one of them almost looks like, because the, the pupils are so big. It almost yeah. looks like, is it, is one of the eyes blacked out? Like it's like her patch, but I don't think so. I think I it's don't just think so. A, I think yeah. it's the way the light yeah. hits it or whatever. Yeah, they're very, very kitschy. And I yeah. love them. Yeah, they're if pretty I can find them, I'm going to just repaint them. <laughs> So um, this uh, is very fun as she is leaving here when she stops to turn and she's like, by the way, I know about you two. And it's like, yeah, you just climbed into the bed where they right. were both naked <laughs> together in bed. Like, even if you're supposed to it's be a, a sex a, bed. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if you're supposed to be a 16-year-old mentally now, you know what happened. <laughs> it's very like strange in that way. But and she's uh, like, it's okay because I've been seeing Mike and it's getting hot and heavy, which I is <laughs> uh, since he's he's been very vocal about her leaving him alone um she's like but i'm okay with it and then like does that, that thing where she like kind of snaps the, the head off of <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like kind of twists the head on the trophy <laughs> she's like i'm um, definitely okay with this <laughs> so here's here's the thing that i have a question about though and and there's probably no real answer to this but she thinks she's 16 hmm does she think ed is to her because he said in the last episode that she and him are still banging which to me is like really gross right uh, because she's obviously has some like some consent issues because she's kind of incapacitated mentally but she thinks she's 16 and she thinks she's dating mike and she's interested in boys that age because she thinks she's that age but if she's still having sex with ed who does she think ed is to her wasn't there some line drop early in this thing where she thought they were like all classmates in some, but she just kind of blanks out on the fact I, that he's not there at school with but them. But they live together. I so know, it's like, I know. Does yeah. she just not? Yeah, but she doesn't think he's like his dad or, or her dad no, or something. Not, but like so she, like, she obviously doesn't think he's her husband. So does she think that he's just like a friend with benefits that she Yeah. Lives? Like, it's very, I mean, I know I'm asking questions that aren't ever going to answer no. <laughs> writers probably never even took this into consideration no. but uh, stepdad i'm stuck in the dryer again gotcha it's just so weird like it's just a weird dynamic like like when you try to put reality into it <laughs> that's what i was doing 
but anyway, um, that's that's my question. But it's a fun little scene. You have a lot of tenderness at the beginning, and then it gets kind of madcap. But it's that's the kind of scene I like, you know. Plus, yeah, and it, it plays. Their house the, is like my dream house. So yeah, well, yeah. It, like, it plays on their dynamics in a way that's fun. Like they've yeah. really painted it into a complicated space. So at the very least, like you gotta you gotta get silly with it, or it's just not, have fun. With yeah, it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Here we go. Slow motion scene number three. Josie's hands. Now, I will say this is the best of the slow motion scenes because I love Josie. Right. We're all Josie fans here. So yeah, yes. we have like ten minutes of We're our- big, big Josie heads in this uh, in this <laughs> yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, Josie forever. Um, justice for Josie, in my opinion. <laughs> it's, she's got real nice hands, which comes up later. And we, she's at the off sheriff's office, and they're talking to her about Jonathan's death. Uh, he is the titular Asian man killed. Not <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. We we get to see that Asian. wonderful headline a second time again. They yeah. use it again. Uh, they're they're Even actually. Aiden was like, "What the fuck?" They're <laughs> actually at the Martell house. I think that's. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm what sorry, happens yeah. next? Um, but yeah, they're. Nor uh, Ed and or I'm sorry, Harry and Coop are questioning Josie, and the dynamics are kind of strange. She's like refusing to admit to anything, but it's pretty clear what's going on. Uh, Harry is like holding her hand under the table, which doesn't really feel like you know good police work, whether we <laughs> we fault him for it or not. <laughs> I mean, I stand them as a couple, yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, but, but like, like the, but also <laughs> this ain't helping her at this point. Oh, and later. <laughs> um. Yeah, so they're just trying to get like like to you know get down to brass tacks about the whole thing. Uh, the police in Seattle want to know what her connection is. Uh, then we have Pete like bumbling through with as much dry cleaning as humanly possible. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I do want to point out to get to that, we have Coop is like sensing the sort of vibe between them and is like I'm going to get another cup of Joe. <laughs> so he, like, <laughs> he excuses himself like an uncle at like a holiday brunch and then like goes into the kitchen and then he checks the percolator to make sure there's not fish, in, <laughs> which I think is a great moment. <laughs> um, Pretty good callback. And, and it's right when Pete, of course, is coming in with like what appears to be 750 garments from the uh, dry cleaners. He goes on a weird kind, kind of like vaguely racist against Bulgarian. <laughs> He's like, that woman doesn't speak a lick of English. We just stared at each other for an hour. All I know how to say is goulash. Super <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, uh, and let's see, what, what did I, where am I looking? So the action that happens is the phone rings. It's a call for Josie. Yes. Uh, this exits Pete from the scene. So what Coop does is he quickly grabs some like test fibers from some stuff on the dry cleaning. Random That'll come break. back later. Well, first, of course, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> under the weight of all the bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah let's uh, not forget that important moment. <laughs> very important moment. Um, so uh, it it, this comes back in a very stupid way later, which I'll talk about. Why I actually stupid, wrote, why but, is any of this even happening? Um, <laughs> but uh, it is somewhat important to the plot. Um, and the then it, we move from that to Josie receiving the phone call, which presumably interrupts her conversation with Harry. Um, and what this is, is it's... Her, uh, Thomas Eckert calling to let her know, hey, I'm in town. You better start getting spooked. Ooh. <laughs> I'm <And> it's, here. <laughs> it's, <laughs> if, 
ladies and gentlemen, after many episodes of being interrupted by somehow even dumber shit, we are back to the mill stuff. <laughs> Colleen's favorite. <laughs> you can never escape the fucking mill stuff. Mill stuff. And Catherine is eavesdropping on the whole thing. Right. <laughs> like, brilliant. <laughs> so weird. Um, so yeah, uh, and Josie's all like, oh no. Uh, let's see. Oh, so now we're going to go to an equally amazing plot. Uh, ben, in all his Civil Warish behavior, he's like way crazy. Like, he's just like way crazy at this point. And like his crew of Jerry and um, Audrey and <laughs> Dr. Jacob, like they're all equally as bonkers at this point. It's like a real filet, uh, like, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what we've got here is Ben looks about as bad as he ever has he's in the full like confederate regalia he's like he's like reclining upon a stuffed donkey or pony or something like that um that i have some questions about later in the episode (laughs) um he's got like a full drum troop that i think maybe are supposed to be the uh hotel staff that he has corralled into doing this um bobby he's also making dress up in uniform bobby shows up partway in the scene he's like still putting the confederate jacket on and there's like this little throwaway bit where he goes yeah some bikers tried to stop me they wanted to steal this jacket from me (laughs) uh okay (laughs) Um, uh bobby is playing the bugle for uh for uh ben's force uh he's doing it really badly but ben doesn't seem to notice that part he just wants somebody there playing bugle um and what's interesting about this scene is it sets up this dynamic where we see jerry kind of uh, making a bit of a succession move here where he's like, he's like, you know what, what if, and let me just, I'm just spitballing here. What if Ben is just fucking crazy now and I get to do all my projects and redirect all the money to where I want it to go. And then, uh, then Audrey like kind of like big leagues him here and she's like nope i know the will i get to become the executor of the estate if he's declared like incapacitated so a you don't want to try to pull this shit and you definitely don't want to try to pull this shit on me um which is a fun dynamic for them but it also speaks to this problem with the audrey character that i know colleen you've talked about before and um i'm i'm a little higher on her than you are but it doesn't work for me in this scene which is that they love to just flip-flop back and forth between yeah. her being a completely in control femme fatale and then like a completely hopeless babe in the woods. Like yeah. plot yeah. point to plot point, episode to episode, it completely flips all over the place. And so this is a moment where like she's suddenly super powerful and super in control. And like, you know, it's not going to be that way for her. Like it's no spoiler to say they're going to flip on her again with this. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's super weird to see it because like, I understand why they want to bring that in with her being like Ben's daughter. She probably also has this bit of a killer instinct to her that she's learned from him. Uh, that makes sense in and of itself, but then they, they don't seem to want to commit to it with her character. I and so it makes like- the incidents where it pops up kind of like weird and out of nowhere i feel like they don't know they didn't know what they really wanted to do with audrey yeah audrey is like you know like okay we have this young hot actress uh people love her and uh you know like in the first season we had this like kind of sexual dynamic with her and like the main guy and stuff but then now that that's kind of like fizzled out it's like 
where do we want to go with her? So they just did everything with her. Yeah. And, and what would stick. And it doesn't work for me at all. And, like, and I'll, I'll yeah, say this I in a no spoiler way. Not only will they continue to not know what to do with her, they will continue to not know what to do with her in such a profound way through the remainder of this season and through the remainder of season three and in the text stuff that follows season three. <laughs> it's absolutely fucking insane what they wind up doing with her character. It gets better in the sense that it's better executed, but it's clear that like after somewhere around like the end of season one, beginning of season two, they were like, uh, what do we do with this character? And yeah. never quite figured it out. Uh, it's very weird. <laughs> we are going to have to have an episode about all the text stuff. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have to do the Frost books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's weird. Uh, then, uh, then we get Benny starts singing like Dixie, like old, old Dixie. Oh. It's somehow less problematic than when like songs like this pop up and say, um, Mad Men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, th there's a thing that's going on, and I'll I'll talk more about this on the bigger Ben scene that happens later in the episode. But there's a thing that's going on in this episode that is executed better than it has been up to this point, where it's clear that like it's bad that he is like this about the Confederacy. There is a certain like almost burlesque element to the way he performs it, where it's like kind of it, it's making fun of the subject matter as he embraces it in a way. Um, yeah. and, and again, this is clearer in the later scene, uh, but it's starting here with this Dixie thing where Bobby is playing bugle like, and like everybody's singing <laughs> out of key. And like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's beginning to happen here. Yeah. Uh, we move on to Evelyn and Donna in a rousing performance uh, where I literally wrote, why is any of this happening? Why? <laughs> Uh, where like Donna's like, please don't hurt James, and Evan's like, Mwaha, I might. So yeah, so so the scene is we're back in the bar. I I don't know if Donna has just decided I'm just gonna stay I here. Live here now. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's weird because James left, and we don't know where he's at as of this point. Evelyn shows up, and she's like drunker than the fish it seems like um and is like I, buying i'll buy this child whose boyfriend i fucked a drink like why not like it's, it, it's very strange the dynamic is awkward malcolm shows up he starts doing his gross manhandling women thing again now with both of them um and i i don't know what the point of this scene is at all it, it, i don't either it, he uh, other than to just add slightly more menace or kill some time it and they need to kill time that and, 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 what, and what we see later about how these characters reconvene this doesn't make any sense that they were here in the first place no. and we'll, we'll get to that but uh like it just seems like it's there for evelyn to run off to this bar menace donna for a few seconds and then malcolm immediately retrieves her says some other like you need to get the fuck out of here your boyfriend is fucked and then they just leave <laughs> it's it's like yeah it, i feel like the runtime was like like they're, they're like shit we need five more minutes yeah it's so weird it does nothing it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense especially with so many uh scenes in this episode where it actually is moving the football forward with some of these characters and giving us some good character beats and stuff like that this is just a completely empty scene there's just nothing you mean happening. to tell me that albert came back in the scene and they chose to go with a donna and evelyn scene right <laughs> five more minutes of uh, albert just dressing down like bobby or something like, yeah or like throw like lucy and and Aunt, lucy and andy aren't in this episode at all like throw yeah. it in there i want some dick like 
like you know plot points Mercifully, they do actually cut to uh, Albert and Coop scene here, I believe, if I yes, remember the time correctly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those coat fabrics, the, the forensics on this team. <laughs> yeah. Like so, 25 minutes. <laughs> well, yeah. So thankfully, of the 75,000 jackets Coop had uh, um, in that scene, he grabbed the threads from the one that Josie was wearing on the night that she shot him in the hotel room. This is the first we're realizing it's her. Um, And also, apparently they did a shitty job uh, dry cleaning this stuff because the the residue's still on the stuff. (laughs) still found it. (laughs) You know what's funny is, like, I actually forgot what they were, like, they were like, oh, so this is the jacket. And I was like, from what? <laughs> from when he got shot like a year ago? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes, oh, from when shit. he got shot at the end of season one. We are now in season we're now in episode out. 15. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of season two. Um, of season two. And I'm like, oh, but it took me like a beat where I was just like it's it's like so in the past that they're that they've completely stopped kayfabing like uh uh um, Coop's injury at this point. He's not even pretending to be hurt. He's like yeah. having fight scenes with people. In fact, he currently has a new wound on his face from the like the drug house bust the other day. So you know, what's funny is it's been so long since we covered that. I was like, why does he have a black eye? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. It's fine. Uh, so yeah, like the the coat fabrics were a match. Uh, I wrote Alfred is so cute here. He just looked really cute in this scene. He's, he's cute him. in this episode for sure. Yeah, he's just cute. Um, um, he also makes it clear that like the person of interest in the uh, in the murdering of Jonathan, who is uh, uh, the the victim in that horrible headline that we keep seeing, uh, is definitely Josie. He's like, here's the police sketch, and it's like it's and Josie, like, and it's like, <laughs> like I hope it's not her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Oh God, I hope, it isn't I hope it's not her. It, it, yeah, there's so many it's women Josie. running around. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, she shot you with the same gun, so I'm gonna say it was her. Um, also, this is where we learned that the transient that was killed had the same last name as Carolyn. Um, the the love interest of Coop that was Windermere's wife. Who's yeah, um, her maiden name. So. Yeah. Like, Windermere's just not picking off like random transients. He's like putting effort into it. Like, oh, there's a clue here. It's her same last name. You know, it's the same last name. Like a lot of effort. He probably <laughs> went and printed off another picture at the library. <laughs> yeah. um, I, what did I write here? Uh, I wrote something expert. Oh, chess. Oh, and they're like, I wrote, <laughs> they're like, we actually have all of this chess stuff for like five episodes. And they're like, we actually have a chess expert here in town. How is this just now coming up? The sudden revelation of Pete's chess mastery. This Uh, didn't come up fucking when they found the guy with the the chess piece shoved in his nose or whatever. (laughs) 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 We should call Pete, who happens to be a wizard at chess, like actual like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it it's stupid, but I kind of like this because Bobby a, Fisher levels of, of <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, it's dumb, but I kind of like this because a it gets more Pete back into the main story, yeah, which yeah, is you know good. worth any price, and b it has a true like 
it has a true shonen anime feel to the plot beat here where it's like goku just learned this new ability you know it's like oh it turns out he <laughs> unlocked chess god power and it's like we, we suddenly like yeah we suddenly cut to like uh norm or uh yeah we cut to norma's diner and yeah. chess, pete is playing like four or five guys simultaneously what? at chess and he's beating the shit out of all of them yeah he's fantastic and coop's like okay i need to know how to beat a game that is specifically like this they realize every time you lose a, a piece that's gonna be somebody that dies yeah so he needs to lose his, he needs to like. He's like, I need you to stalemate this game so that pieces quit like getting lost. And yeah. so th- that's and actually kind like, of. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually kind of an interesting concept to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I don't really remember how well they handle it. I guess we'll see in the coming episodes, but yeah. I, I do like what they're what they're thinking of here with this chess game thing. It's a lot less irritating than the, oh, he printed a new move in the paper thing. So. Yeah. He killed a guy, so I took out an ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not really at the same level of, of yeah. uh, I love this whole scene because uh like as this is happening, you see Norma walk by with one of those amazing ice cream lamps that I want. Like super, right. like you can get them. Like, I don't know why I didn't just buy one already, but um perpetually poor. So um, but she just like walks by with it like a baby, and I'm like, that's cute. And then like later she's polishing it, <laughs> and I'm just like, that's so cute. Um so yeah, we have uh oh, and it's funny they show like the floor and yeah. it's white, and that is the same exact floor as my beloved market basket in Massachusetts used to have, which is like the best grocery store of all time. And uh, I was like, ah, <laughs> made me happy. So if you're from Massachusetts, uh, market basket represent um, <laughs> <laughs> the floor tile yeah uh she's like polishing the cone and-, and, and also and also to add to the floor tile comment it looks very like a chessboard do you get it do yeah. you right. get that it's a chessboard yeah. do you get Hello, it <laughs> mr thompson yeah. <laughs> um and then as the only possible like, reason they would be kneeling for this conversation would be to show the floor exactly yeah exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. why else would she on the dirty polish- floor. yeah <laughs> well maybe she has no counter space because there's eight fucking chess games. <laughs> um, I love this scene though. It's, I think it's so cute. Um, she she's down, kind of polishing that, uh, taking very good care of, of the beloved ice cream lamp that I love so much. And Shelly comes back and she's like, "Hey, girl. Um, so I was wondering if you would maybe hire me again." And they have this very sweet moment where she's like you can start right now if you want and they hug and it's like I always loved their dynamic which is very much like a mother-daughter dynamic we never see Shelly's family like we never know where Shelly kind of comes from and Norma doesn't have any children so I've always loved that like even in season three you'll see like Norma has a very like maternal sort of uh fondness for Shelly that I think is really sweet and I like really like it um yeah um it's it's sweet to see shelly's back on the payroll that's where we expect her to be that's where it's an interesting i i think this is actually kind of a smart uh storytelling beat because it's like shelly's the only place shelly seems safe is at norma's diner because her home is fucked up and leo's there or bobby's there who even (laughs) if bobby's well-intentioned he's got 
his own shit, you know? Yeah. When, when we see Shelly happy and we see Shelly not having crappy things happen to her, it's because she's at Norma's, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like- Shines it, brightest at yeah. Norma's. So yeah. even, even though her arm is like still in a sling and it's like, girl, do you need to be going back to work already? It's like, well, this is where this is where she wants to be. This is where her home is for better You only or need one hand to polish an ice cream. Ice cream, yeah. As long as, <laughs> as, long as she's on ice cream polishing duty, she's in good um here we have let's see so as this is happening is it harry that comes to like tell her hey yeah so so harry's either was there as part of coop's chest investigation or he just comes in i don't remember if that's clear but he takes norma to the back room he's like i got some stuff to tell you uh you know uh hank is about to come out of the hospital and she's like oh fuck no oh fuck no like don't don't send that boy back to my house and he's like i don't know man we he's got the parole violations and now we've got a credible witness having him shoot uh leo yeah. so uh he's actually probably going to jail <laughs> she's like and she's like fuck yeah <laughs> yeah hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so that's good now we have the this seems gross. Yeah, th- we're going to the Eckert, uh, yes. Catherine. Yeah, Catherine okay. I hate everything about this scene, but, but a thing beyond like the grossness that's happening is like the frenetic energy in which they're like, We'll take our wine, we'll take our orders, we'll take the main course now. I'm like, She hasn't even poured the wine yet. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> it's kind of it's quite slapstick in a weird way, like in like a subtle way, but it's there, like when. Like when the door opens, like the, the so okay. Take a breath, Chris. Take a breath. I need, I need to set this up so it makes sense when we're talking yeah. about all these elements. Um, but like the deal is, Josie has to open the door for the dinner guest, and the dinner guest, of course, is Thomas Eckert, who's coming for her. And when she opens the door, there's this fucking like 1970s cartoon villain lightning mm-hmm. sound effect that mm-hmm. happens. Is he like? dramatically turns towards the camera it's like and so what the the business of this scene is thomas eckert and Catherine martell are having dinner this extremely ridiculously like a child's idea of what a fancy dinner looks like uh and are making josie serve them and essentially are having this back and forth conversation about I'm about Catherine wants to trade Josie to into Thomas Eckert's custody uh, for something in exchange. And it's like really gross and really mean. And it's supposed to be gross and mean. I mean, that's just it. We're supposed to feel the uh, uh, um, basically the way Josie's entrapped here. Like, you know, yeah. she can't, she needs the protection of one or both of these people to get off for the crimes that she is credibly associated with in multiple different ways now. Um, but you know they both are rich powerful scumbags who think of her as a something to be used you know so it's like really gross it's really gross actually you know what's funny is in this scene we were watching and Aiden was like why is this show so rapey and I was, <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't know <laughs> well that well, was media and everything before the 2005s you know right? like, well, yeah. well and also not not to like play this like song too many times on this but with a lot of this show is at concept about the trauma of like sexual violence and so forth and when it's doing its best work it's you know it is somehow sublimating that into something interesting uh and when it's not doing its best work it is 
why is this show so rapey? You yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did like, she's like, we'll take the wine now. Josie, the wine now. I was like, I need wine. I'm afraid of how much I need wine. Uh, <laughs> whenever I look in the toilet, it's purple and black. And popcorn. <laughs> that, that one guy cuts in, business is in my blood. I can look past the numbers. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's just like- it's I can't like, stop thinking about wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got like this real sort of like Batman energy score. It's like, yes. like we kill Mr. Eckhart. Yeah. And we kill that that we cannot control. <laughs> like, well, I don't know what he says. But and and almost, a, almost a fucking like, um, you know, 60s Batman vibe to it yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like sort of madcap. It's like sort of cartoony, but also there's a real darkness to it. It's it's very weird. It's weird. it's interesting. Like I, I will say, it's interesting. It's uncomfortable, but it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird and gross, but funny somehow too. It's yeah, weird. The whole thing makes me feel weird. Um, then we have more slow motion. I don't even. I just wrote slow motion. I don't even remember what this next slow motion thing was. <laughs> like that's how much I've checked out of the slow motion thing. So. If I remember correctly, we cut from here to uh, where Evelyn is back in the Evelyn house. Mm -hmm. And there's just some like abstract slow-mo bullshit where like you see like, uh, you know, her hands, I think she's like drinking. She's blowing a smoke smoke ring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's smoking. That's That's right. That's Yeah. 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 Um, And like, (laughs) I guess what happens here is James just sort of walks into the house. So like, I don't know what the fuck was happening when James originally left the bar. When he left the bar, did she just go to the bar and they like pass like ships in the night? And then he had to wait for her to be retrieved by Malcolm so that he could then dramatically enter here. And Donna didn't immediately follow her back. Like it's something's really and weird. None of it makes any thing. sense. Um, the whole thing is so stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you get some James and Evelyn uh, horny time. <laughs> right. like it's so horny yeah, could, had, had to get more of that before we were yeah we just here. needed one more horny like escapade before and it's so stupid like they're just like oh why were you gonna set me up oh like it's just so dumb all of it sucks and then uh yeah it, it's very funny that he's like he's like why did you set me up and she's like because I needed the money. And he's like no like we, this is like real like tell me the real reason that you set me up and she's like because I needed the money. What? They're not that important. It it plays really hard into the James is a fucking idiot. It's one of these scenes where I'm like, okay, the show does realize James is a moron. (laughs) Like, Uh, and then like Malcolm shows. I wrote Malcolm no, so he like shows up. Then we cut to something else. So we're yeah, just- so so Malcolm's in the middle of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, no, maybe. Uh, yeah. So what <laughs> happens is point. what happens is Malcolm pistol whips him, and that's what gets us out of that scene. And we'll yeah. be back to it later. We're gonna go back into this uh, Civil War cosplay. Everyone's involved. Uh, you know, you got uh, Audrey's in like her like prairie outfit. <laughs> Yeah, so this is more so, I think, the scene where it's very, like, Civil War drag, where they feel like they need to go through with this performance to, like, get Ben to move on, but obviously everybody thinks it's, like, terrible and or stupid and is treating it as such. And they're so bad at it. Yeah. Like, Jerry comes in and he's like, "Uh, I I do declare. Like, but, like, he's bad at it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And he's, like, stumbling. And it's funny because I had to pause it and I was like, okay. 
that's Ben, and that's Jerry, and that's his brother, and mm-hmm. Audrey is his daughter. But in this scene, she's calling Jerry daddy because it's like they're doing a play, right? right so, yeah, right, right. yeah. What? And I'm like, you just, it's almost over. Yeah, just don't worry about it. This <laughs> is, we're going to be done. <laughs> Look, at with your phone. Look at your phone. Um, it's this whole thing with like General Grant is coming. Uh, why do you have my sword? That's a mighty fine sword. <laughs> Jacoby's there. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Like, Dr. Jacoby is is almost the funniest in the scene because he really he's, is amazing. He, he's he's supposed to be uh he's supposed to be Ulysses Grant uh you, you know um anachronistically surrendering to uh Ben's General Lee so that the South can uh take Wait, over. Um, again. Yeah. And and it's funny because Jacoby just walks in, he's like, I'm here to surrender. <laughs> he's like, I want to be done with this as you don't instantaneously. Want to be doing any of this. I feel so uncomfortable being involved in this. And then uh then he's like uh Ben keeps trying to draw out the scene. He's like, he's like, talk to me about like when we met in the Mexican war. Yeah. And Jacoby's like, uh, yeah, uh, fine. It was a, it was a super good war. We loved it. And he's like, Ben's like, no, all war is terrible. But I, <laughs> it's, it's like, ah, just tell me what you want me to say. And I'll say but, but there's this very good part where, where Ben decries like, like the politicians are, are the real villains in this and Jacoby breaks character to be like, amen to that brother. And it's, a, it's, it's not only a great Jacoby moment, but it tells us something about where Jacoby will go from here in the series. Yes, yeah. It's remember, not like poetry snaps. Like, mm. yeah. Right. Remember, remember this when we see the very confusing beginning of season three. Yes. Yeah. I keep this little moment in mind. Uh, it does come up. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what, ultimately happens here in this bumbling mess of a scene is that it's such a fucking cop-out but Ben falls and hits his head <laughs> and is like cured of his civil war right and and, oh, no, and it's like, cop-out to the degree that he's like I just had the most incredible dream <laughs> very, it's, a, it's a Wizard of Oz sort of yeah, like yeah. you were there and you were there and you were there yeah, yeah, why yeah. are we all in Civil War get up and they're all crowding over her like him like, <laughs> 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 they're also lampshading it as if it was like an amnesia subplot which it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> exactly yeah. it's so weird because he hits his head and he's okay but like he didn't hit his head in the first place he yeah. didn't hit his head in the first place. Also, he remembers everything that happened. Also, he sees that these people are in the costumes and even makes mention of it. And they're all just going like, ha, ha, ha. Be more horrifying. Like that, coming to and seeing that would make me more crazy than whatever right. it was that tipped him into this civil war psychosis. Like it was like he was on the hook for Laura's murder and then he wasn't. Then he was like, it's civil war. <laughs> yeah. And, and so this scene... There, there's a lot happening here and it's it's very frustrating how the way they wrapped the, the plot point up is to basically be like this didn't matter it was completely made up and it's like yeah I know <laughs> it didn't matter five episodes ago it doesn't matter now but at the same time there is a real breath of relief that comes with oh thank god we don't have to do the civil war shit anymore <laughs> as Axel Rose once said <laughs> We don't need no civil war. <laughs> we don't. In this essay, I will. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's dumb, but it's over. And and that's really what matters here. We're going to move on with our lives. Now we're going to go to a, a more upsetting in different ways scene. We're going to Wyndham and Leo, where he's like 
has a shock collar on. First of all, did he bring the shock collar with him in hopes that he would like enslave a, a domestic abuser? Or did he like go get one when he was getting his like printouts of Leo's? Like, where did this come from? I think from? if you're a serial murderer, you just bring, you never you know. Bring stuff, you right? get a kid. You know? yeah. bag. You got a Batman so utility good. belt. You better got, to like, have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and he's like teaching him how to write, which is like, yeah. Okay. Is Leo like illiterate and like doesn't know how to write and read, like in the first place? Or is he like so brain damaged from being right. coma? Like, like yeah. what am I supposed well, to understand? Yeah, here yeah. And it, it's really blurry and I think deliberately so, but there's a whole thing going on here where Leo is still pretty like catatonic, pretty non-communicative. He's severely damaged. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's like and he's also continuously torturing him with this shot collar and beating him up with a flute and whatever the fuck else weird gremlin activities uh Wyndham is getting up to in that in that fucking lodge or whatever so they're like it, it's i i don't know if i'm supposed to understand leo's still fucked up from his coma or if i'm supposed to understand he was getting better but now he's re-fucked up again because he's going through this insane torture experience and you know yeah. probably it doesn't matter but it's strange it's like it, it's a really confusing that it's like oh leo got better and now he's worse again and it's like oh okay i guess <laughs> yeah. yeah whatever <laughs> um yeah, and there's like pictures of like Audrey and Donna, and he's like, "Who will be my queen?" And Leo's like, "What?" And then he like, like just straight up tortures him. And I had the same visceral reaction to watching this that I did when I watched Tusk, that terrible movie with where Justin Long turns into a walrus. Mm-hmm. And I actually was so upset by that movie that I made my ex shut it. I was like, I do not want to watch. You need to shut this off. Like actually, like I do not do body horror well. It has mm-hmm. a very specific type of body horror, and then if it just even inches into something else, nope. And uh, and like to this day, when I think of it, I'm just filled with like a revulsion. That's mm-hmm. like, and I had that same feeling watching this. I was like, I, Leo is not a good person, right? And it sucks. But like, I don't want to watch this crazy person like torturing him for reasons that are unclear. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, like it's it was just really upsetting to me to watch. I don't know why. I'm like, I'm it is. It's upsetting. And and again, upsetting. I think strategically from a writer's room, what are we? What are our big moves here? Standpoint. I think Leo being there, the whole point is it's supposed to make it a little more bearable so that we can yeah. sit through this right. stuff. But it's also like. It just sucks. <laughs> it's, yes. and, and again, it's another moment in this episode where, okay, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Yes. But at the same time, like you're loading up like with this fucking civil war shit with the like uh, Josie human trafficking shit with this yes. like back to back to back to back scenes. But right before that, you have the pedophilia plot point with Evelyn mm-hmm. and stuff. It's like, it's like, it's just so much gross shit. A lot of it feeling, you know, it, even though a lot of it is like the result of where the characters are at and so forth at this point, it just feels gratuitous how scene to scene to scene, it's like, here's some more gross shit. Here's some more slightly yeah. different gross shit. It's like, ugh. <laughs> gross. Um, so yeah, he just straight up tortures him for a while. And then, and then <laughs> speaking of torture, we back to Donna at Evelyn's. Uh, it's so dumb. More slow motion. Yeah. I've, slow motion things um 
And it's like, oh, don't hurt James, please. Even though James is like literally like unconscious. No, nah, don't kill him, please. And they're like, and Malcolm's like, hey, I'm going to do it anyway. And then uh, he's trying to get Evelyn to shoot James. And he's like, this is where you need to shoot him. So we can say like, this is how he attacked you. And this would match up. And she's like, never. And then she shoots Malcolm instead. She's <laughs> like, no shit. You should have done that like three months ago. That's right. Um, and then like, as he's falling to the ground, he like grabs her and she's like, oh, and like soliloquies. And it's like, why don't you just like, he's dying. Just get up. Just yeah. Well, well, she soliloquies. Uh, this, this is a little bit interesting. Like she basically soliloquies. He tells her what her alibi should be about shooting James. And then like, so she like regurgitates that as her alibi for shooting. For shooting him. So like yeah. the implication is this is how she's ultimately going to get off, or at least that's how she's going to try to survive. This. So, so that's a little bit interesting, but it was so painful to get here that like yeah. it, it doesn't land. Like, I feel like it ought to also, I just don't care about Evelyn. Like yeah. no, she's, she's Go not, to jail. I don't care. <laughs> like, like I, it, it, the scene would work better if I had more sympathy for her but at the end of the day she was like almost as manipulative as any of the other characters in this like whole it's subplot so it's like I, I just don't I fuck it like <laughs> shoot them all <laughs> so um I should not say that even in jest, but my point no, being but, like, I, I don't yeah. care about what happens to this character. So it's like this like moment of closure doesn't really do what it's no, supposed it's to like, do. Okay. Even if it is, even if, yeah. Even if it is kind of interestingly constructed. She's not a victim in this at all. She was cheating on her husband with one guy and then yeah. picked another guy to kill her husband. Like, She's a bad person. Yeah, who she, who she was then being abused her. by or whatever. So then yeah. she was abusing a minor. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what? All right. Yeah. So, so, so blessedly, I believe that's the end of the Evelyn. Yeah, uh, I, I could so be wrong, too. but I'm pretty sure it is. So. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's the, that's the uh, demise of the two probably dirt worst plot points in this whole series so this is a real moment of like we're finally we're finally coming out of the trough here <laughs> yeah we're getting we're gonna eventually get to some good stuff but uh this final scene um we go to the great northern and uh we have coop looking at a picture of caroline in his wallet uh, why not? And just like straight up walks right by him. Like Coop is supposed to be like a I'm so psychically connected with with life that I can like throw a rock and right. who killed what? And the guy who's trying to kill him walks right the fuck by him, and he's like <laughs> in, in like a Dana yeah. Carvey in the Master of Disguise level <laughs> costume. Yeah, I yeah. Say. he's got like a fake twiddly mustache on, yeah. and he does like a fake like. Is it like a Polish accent or something, something weird, weird like that? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I forget exactly what he does, but it's something like that. He, needs, he leaves a note at the front desk for Audrey. He's like, is Miss Audrey in or something? And, he's and, like, and it seems like it's her. one of the weird letters he was having Leo write and was right. tearing up and throwing into envelopes. So we don't know exactly what that is what yet, it but is, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll um, see. Coop goes... Coop goes to his room and there is a, like a death mask in his bed. I assume it's supposed to be Carolyn's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's super creepy looking. Actually. It's a very creepy image. Super it's a, creepy. It, I will say this particular moment feels like a classic like Twin Peaks image when he yeah, comes in like, and like, sees that. It's like, 
it's like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like first season. Yeah, um, yeah. First season stuff. Um, and as he picks it up, it triggers a recording. Uh, and the recording starts talking as he's like looking through, like slowly like lifting the mask up to his eyes. Mm. And it's, uh, it's obviously um, Wyndham like talking to Coop. I don't remember the specifics of what he said. I didn't write it down. He, he's basically like, uh, I'm in your house stealing your man's kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. don't, don't look at how beautiful Carolyn's face is. Don't you remember? I do too. I still love her. I know you still right. love her. That's yeah. why blah, 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 battle of the fates, yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> Where will this go? And that's how the uh, the episode ends. So, yeah. who are the slaves and masters here? Let's figure it out. <laughs> yeah, good question. <laughs> we got the Civil War stuff. Yeah. Pretty obvious. Uh, uh, we got J- the Josie, Josie, Catherine yeah. dynamic. There's that. Leo tied up. Um, Leo, Leo yeah, tied Leo. up. There's that yeah. whole thing. Um, are we a slave? I mean, <laughs> Diane I mean, Keaton slow motion technique. Is, that seems <laughs> Is James a slave to get involved with every woman who's like, I'm evil and I'm going to kill you? He's and he's like, yeah, cool. The, <laughs> the are, are, aren't we all? The better. Aren't we yeah, all? I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really the most I identify with. with <laughs> it's it's but, his uh, relatable character trait. Yeah. But, uh, but for once, I feel like the title of the episode actually sort of ties into what's actually happening in the episode. And that's very rare. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we got, I did the math because Brian Collins was like, how many more of the season two episodes? Yeah. And I was like, there are seven left. <laughs> so yeah, means there are four mediocre ones and then three very good ones. So, but it's kind of a gradient. It starts getting yeah, a little it starts better. Getting as it better as it goes. So, so it's, it's like re- it's definitely like, hit that peak bad. Yeah. Now it's going to start kind of shifting. When, when it was Civil War and Evelyn plot, and <laughs> that was that was bad, man. Um, and as as Matt was saying, when we had a brief technical difficulty, I think about this episode on the whole. I agree with him that like um, even though. It, it has the nadir and some of the grossest stuff in it. It also, at the very least, moves well on the character level. Like the character beats make sense. We're progressing all these plot points instead of like sitting there yeah. lounging in the stuff that sucks about this show. Yeah. Uh, so it it I appreciate this episode for having some wheels on it and just moving forward. I right. agree with that. Yeah, this sure. episode is as bad as the last one but it's not as boring as the last it's not one. as there was boring. just nothing yeah, and, and there are like good character happening. moments yeah, yeah, yeah good performances at this yeah point. i mean we got albert so i mean it's worth it exactly so yes that is season two episode 15 uh let's go to the producer's corner Sure, of course. I have been, uh, guys, I've been down a wormhole uh, <laughs> oh, no. trying to figure Let's out some shit about the, the um, career, the directing career of Miss Diane Keaton, um, Annie Hall herself. Um, well, so first of all, uh, about this actual episode, uh, she really had no interaction whatsoever with Lynch. Lynch was so hands-off at this point that I have a, have a quote here from what it was like uh, shooting it. He said, do whatever you want. Um, and he also said just, um, okay. Uh, okay. So she says that's very different because most television shows have a pattern of how to shoot. They have an idea. And as a director, you fit into the idea of what the format is for that particular show with Twin Peaks. Lynch just said, huh? Goodbye. <laughs> there. Do you have any ideas? Do it. <laughs> so that's it. So she had 
no guideline whatsoever on what it is to direct Twin Peaks. And I think she tried to do a bunch of dreamy stuff and didn't work as we yeah. discussed for the most point. But I mean, maybe she got good performances out of the actors, which uh, um, a lot of times actors turn directors will do that. Um, uh, my personal favorite shot of this episode was when uh, they're doing the horrible Civil War reenactment and she comes out, it comes from commercial into the hay that's beside oh, Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> And then up to see her in like this um, uh, Scarlet uh, O'Hara moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, looking back in her career, this is really one of the few things she ever directed. She did a um, a few Belinda Carlisle uh, music videos. I get weak, and uh, Heaven is a place on earth. And hey, you can't fault that. Whoa. <laughs> Dang, I didn't know that. I didn't know it either. And um, okay, and an after school special. Uh, starring Patricia Arquette called The Girl with the Crazy Brother. This is a girl who has a schizophrenic brother and it's all her story. Oh my God, I have to see. I'm going to yeah. have her explain that. I'm going <laughs> to, I need to watch that. Right. And she has, she directed an episode of China Beach as well and then did a pilot for a show that I don't remember from 2001 called Pasadena that I guess was about on for about 13 uh, episodes. The wormhole I hit is in I watched the I Get Weak video because uh, why wouldn't you first of all yeah, in the yeah, yeah, why cool. would you not cue that up yeah <laughs> so and I'm watching this thing and it's like you know your typical 80s kind of slow-mo of course and yeah. black and white and alternating color and stuff like that but it's all around like this hot guy who I think is one of the McDonald's the not McDonald's the Madonna um model guys who would be in like oh, okay. a lot of her videos what <laughs> are the McDonald's guys might have been Ronald or Grimace <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like the, uh, uh, everything's black and white, but the, the red is just popping really strong. Anyway, there's a scene where like he's walking a runway and like all the, the girls are like, woo, you know, fanning themselves with yeah. how overcome they are. And I swear, I've been trying to figure this out, trying to get confirmation of this for the last hour of my life. And the girls, the, the actresses have to be Sean Young, Monona Ryder, and Miss Joan Chen from Twin Peaks. Like, I, and I found confirmation nowhere. I'm going to send you guys it's, these photos. They yes, gotta be. They have, they have to be. <laughs> well, yeah, well I'm wondering nuts. too, though. Like, I wonder, like, did that video come out around the time that this episode came out? Well, no, I, this is 88. That video is 88. Oh, okay. So, so this comes out in 91, like early 91. But it might have um, been seen around when they were doing pre-production on this episode or something like right, that. Right, exactly. So, you know, oh my knows? God, I cannot wait to see. I don't know. So I've, I've texted you guys the photos. I just need confirmation. And Lord knows, I mean, I was very careful because, you know, I, I you don't want oh, no, a mistake, especially- Oh, no, that's definitely Winona Ryder. That's yeah. definitely Joan. I, I okay, thank Joan. You. I, you don't want to miss, you know- no, that's definitely that. Yeah, and it's just crazy to show up at that time. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt that that's Joan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, what a crazy uh, thing to find as I went down that little Diane Keaton wormhole, but uh, good on them. Uh, there is no evidence whatsoever of it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll but, see yeah. what I can do too. I tend to can scoop some stuff up sometimes. Right, yeah, so there you go. That's Jesus, Producer's Corner. That's, that's so funny. What <laughs> the hell? Wild. So also, random. that song is a jam. It is. Oh, yeah, it's great. Such a good song. Yeah. I love Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's end on that high note. That was <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we will see you next time. Uh, my name is Colin Connie Hecker. My name is Chris Pruitt. Matt Guerrero. Bye. Belinda Carlisle super fan. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Woo! <laughs> <laughs>